Hello, this is the Code Report Weekend Edition. I'm pleased to be joined today by T. Koshi, the CEO of the ONDC or the Open Network for Digital Commerce, a private non-profit Section 8 company established by the Department for Promotion of Industry and Internal Trade, that's part of the Government of India, to develop open e-commerce. Now, what is open e-commerce? How does it work and how does it affect you as a potential user? This is the weekend edition of the Code Report. Koshi, thank you so much for joining me. And it's a pleasure to see you after a long time. So uh, tell me about the ONDC. And before we come to ONDC, tell me a little bit about yourself. You've been working on a whole lot of projects, all big, uh, nationally sensitive, important projects, including the NSDL earlier, the UIDAI, all involving usually very large databases of people. So tell us about how you transitioned from there to ONDC and then what is ONDC about? Okay, uh, thanks. A quick intro, like I said, as you said that I was part of the startup team of NSGL, which was really trying to change the capital market. And after that, in NSGL, and then subsequently as a senior partner in Anshin Young, I got an opportunity to work exclusively in population-scaled problems and its digital solutions. So I ended up working on BMAT, I worked on UID, I worked on GST, I worked on Tax Information Network, I know quite a lot of them. And lastly, Coven. And um, since I was continuously involved in all of them, and I got a chance to be a part of the whole community, which is developing the open source solutions, what we call the digital public infrastructure in all these cases. And one of the initiatives of Beckin Foundation was to develop an open source transaction and implement protocol, and where also I was uh, involved. And that is when the pandemic hit and the Ministry of Commerce decided to find a digital solution to improve the access for the small merchants and the consumers. And initially, there was something of developing some platform. And then the, 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 in the wisdom of the Ministry of Commerce, DPIT, under the guidance of the Minister Piyush Goyal, they said that you should not try to look at some very temporary super app kind of thing, which is just pandemic special and it will not have a meaning. We should take the same line of the digital public infrastructure journey that India as a country had been doing in the ID and financial transaction, etc., and try to find something equivalent to that that could transform commerce. If you look at commerce or business, it's got two parts. One is the buyer gives money to the seller and place an order to the seller, and the seller sort of conclude a transaction, make a contract, and finish with it. So if you look at what it UPI, it is about the money side. So the thought process was, why can't you do the same thing in the other side in terms of unbundling and interoperability? And that's when there was a team put together and asked me to get involved because of my whole association in population scale solutions. And the ministry on its wisdom decided to set up a separate independent Section 8 company called Open Network Digital Commerce and asked me to sort of run it and take over as the first employee and the managing director. That has been the journey. That happened and the company got registered in December 2021 while there was a lot of preparatory work that was happening in the previous one year with the advisory council with people like Nanda Nilkarni, Arash Sharma, Dilip Asbe, and Anjini Bensal with the ministry officials like Anil Agarwal was our addition secretary then and so on and so forth. A sort of variety of people who had been looking at this kind of thing and I became part of the crew trying to shape the solution. And then finally, um, company got uh, registered in end of 2021. 
February, I joined officially as the MD, and that was done in 22. And now we are here. Right. So tell me about the uh, ONDC structure. And I want to come back to databases in a moment, but tell me about how it's structured. I mean, you know, so when we think of, for example, an e commerce platform, we can visualize it. There is, let's say, a Flipkart or an Amazon. You can visualize that there is a company, this is the server, this is where the data is sitting, this is how transactions happen. How does the ONDC work? Right, that's a problem, you know, because all of us had been tuned to think that the only way to run e-commerce is to having a completely integrated platform, which is driven by a proprietary protocol where the buyers and sellers come together and interact with each other using this exclusive protocol, which would mean they are bound to each other. But that's not how internet started, if you remember, Govindraj. You know, when Tim Lee developed HTTP, he didn't create a closed network. He just said that let information sharing happen on the top of this foundation. So let the innovation come on the top of this foundation. Let people generate a web page or whatever you call blog or anything to disseminate their information. And let the traffic be determined by the quality and relevance of what is being shared, not which browser is looking at it. Because every browser can see it. Same thing happened in the next stage of revolution, which was about messaging. There again, if you remember, there was closed emails, facility providers asking some decent amount of money to you know, send messages. Then came the idea of SMTP. So that let each of the independent platforms provide its own utilities for their users, but let them all talk to each other using this common open source protocol called SMTP. So that, again, it is completely interoperable. So if I have a Gmail address and you have a Hotmail address, I can send you a mail and vice versa. So you're saying that ONDC is the SMTP of... Uh, ONDC is the HTTP of commerce. So what it means that, I mean, if I tell you the big vision eventually, that every seller of a product or service which is catalogable. Why do I say catalogable? Because if I'm just making only for you, if let's say somebody is making my again, it's a direct relation. They don't need a network to, you know, for business. But catalogable means it is relevant to a broad cross-section of potential buyers. They would make their product visible in this open network using ONDC protocol, which will enable them to be discovered and order to be placed, payment to be made, and order fulfillment is completely tracked. So they will all visible. And they don't need to be made part of multiple platforms like today. For example, today if I am in platform X, I'm visible only to the buyers in the platform X. If I'm in platform Y, I'm visible only to the buyers in the platform Y. So if I want to be visible in both platform buyers, you have to be technical, legal, procedural, business process, everything has to be separate integration because you have wall gardens. Now you're saying that you just make yourself visible on this open network using open protocol or NDC protocol, either directly or through some aggregators who would do. You made yourself visible. And now there are different kinds of buying platforms whose job is to help their kind of buyers. Let's say this buying platform could be bankers, this buying platform could be fintech, this guy could be startups. They say, okay, this is the buyers whom I deal with. My loyalty is to them. Let me help those buyers to discover what is relevant for them. Help them to buy what is relevant because they don't have any direct relationship with the sellers. So there's no conflict of interest. So this variety of buying application would come and help their buyers to discover and buy what is relevant for them. So it is from the same buying application, they can buy consumer goods, they can buy food, they can hail a taxi, they can book a hotel room, everything. So it is no more wall gardens, 
as you see in uh, each domain. You know, consumer goods, you have two or three. Food, you have two or three. Ride hailing, you have two or three. No, it can be completely different. And each of them who has a set of digital consumers can help their digital consumers to buy what is relevant so long as they are there. And in, in my opinion, they will all be there in a, in a soon. Right. So now the journey as it's progressed has seen some interesting shifts. For example, uh, you're seeing a lot of interest in mobility. Uh, you started seeding uh, or rather you seeded it in Cochin, then you went to Bangalore and that's been almost like a blowout app. Everyone is using it or a lot of people are using it at least. And it's gone perhaps in a slightly different direction than what you thought of. Is that correct? No, no, no. That's not how it is. So what we said that because this includes everybody. So while I said when the Beckham protocol, when it initially started, even before ONDC, it was attempted as a pilot in a small mobility network in Cochin. Incidentally, I was involved along with the whole Beckham team there. That actually gave the confidence that it works. Then we went about doing this ONDC, formalizing it, and we said that everything has to become a part of it. So we said, now that we know mobility works, let there be some experiments happening, we'll just make that part of the larger ONDC network. So they became part of the ONDC network. But we said, let's prove why one of the two most difficult areas. We asked grocery and food. Then mobility was there because they already had some experience. And then the same entity who helped us in the pilot in uh, Cochin also said, okay, we'll drive it in Bangalore in mobility. But interestingly, like you said, mobility picked up momentum faster because it also had learning slightly longer time. So if I tell you, uh, we started pushing in big way this year, January, I mean, December, January. So that time we had something like 50 transactions a day. And then mobility today does about average, if I look at the last one week, weighted average, something like 95,000 transactions a day, which is in Bangalore, Cochin, Mysore, and one more city, they will announce soon, but the pilot is happening in a few thousand transactions already there. I'm leaving the thunder to the city authorities, not to me. Second thing that was sort of fixed up faster was food. And we have something like, uh, I mean, in, in mobility, as I said, about 90,000 transactions in a day and more than 150,000 registered drivers. In food, we have about 65,000 uh, merchants already, which is almost 25% of the larger e-commerce ecosystem of restaurants. And then grocery doing 10, 12,000. And the last couple of months, we practically added many, like fashion, food, blah, blah, all of them. So if you look at the non-mobility, about totally peaked at about 40,000 transactions a day. Average, if you look at the weighted average, come to 22, 23,000 transactions. Food vended, I had actually gone up to 95%. Now it's about 75%. And the remaining is grocery and a couple of thousand. It's just picked up fashion, electronics, etc. Like doing a few hundred transactions a day. I mean, just picked up. So when you say electronics, it would be someone like a, a chain, like a Reliance Digital or a Chroma, or would it be an individual shop? The first few of them that has gone fully live, and the rest are all actually in various stages of it. I don't want to again steal their thunder, but the one who is live is Samida Mumbai. That's for example, Boat. These are two names. Around. There are a number of those kinds of uh, people there. And like some of those names that you already referred are already in the various stages. So the, well, the manufacturers are there as well as the chains are there? So anybody who has something to sell can come. And for example, HUL came, you know, making it available. And then they realize that this can be a powerful medium to uh, strengthen their traditional commerce. And I mean, soon FMCG companies like them will now having experience and develop the comfort will empower the whole traditional commerce channel. So that's the way that's been uh, and sort of growing. So how do you define the addressable market for ONDC? I look at the other way around. If you look at digital commerce today, while you and I and people like us are very uh, active consumers, but we are not India. So penetration is only less than 10% on the buy side. 
and the sell side it's even a couple of percentage. So the way that we are looking at, if you remember what happened to UPI, it was not that we went and took out all the digital transactions of the card companies and they still do same kind of numbers and more than what they did six years ago. But we expanded the market. So we expect this kind of expansion to happen in every segment. In fact, we started B2B um, less than a month ago and it does about a few hundred transactions a day. So what we do is we are expecting to expand the market and say that probably from 10% to 25% in a few years is a decent dream to work for. So with that 25% of what? Of the uh, transactions. Today it's less than 10%. And also on the other side, we expect a significant amount of participation coming from a variety of sellers. Again, if you look at consumer products, I mean, just take an example. Like I said, it's not just consumer products. It could be financial products. It could be, like I said, it is meant for people like you and me. If you look at the actual product mix of the, the digital commerce, mostly it's a product mix that is for you and us. With significantly electronics being a very, very large component, a mobile phone being a, a large component in that itself. Whereas now we expect the different kind of buying application will trigger and stimulate demand coming from various segments. Let's just take the example. For example, you know that pin code of phone pay and big TM and uh, etc. has gone live. And they would have a cross-section of their customers, help them buy a variety of products. And each of them will drive the demand on that side. And I don't know, probably you would have seen the announcement that Ola has now launched a pilot in Bangalore, which is helping their customers to buy food. Look at the beauty. I mean, they didn't have to worry about going and registering all the sellers and merchants. Now, ready-made for 60,000 merchants are already available. So uh, what we are going to see is that we are going to empower the other merchants who are not just relevant for us, it's relevant to a different segment. And then there'll be different buying application triggering demand from there. What we are expecting is a broadening of participation of buyers and sellers. And that is our transformation that we expect. The question that follows obviously is fulfillment. That I'm assuming is an area where you had more challenges than perhaps others. So the small merchant who logs on or is there on the ONDC and sells to me, I have no way beyond a point of tracking that purchase or tracking that goods or that box till it arrives, except by following up with that one particular merchant. And it'll be a different one for each time I buy uh, with a different merchant. Again, let's think about any platform the way it works. It's not that they are the producers. They have tie up with all the sellers. And in fact, if you look at each of these platforms, they also have a buying interface and a selling interface. If you're a merchant, that's where you register your selling side. If you are a buyer, let's say you use a buying application. They all talk to each other using a protocol. It's not that uh, everything is manufactured. Same thing happens here too. For example, let's take the example. Paytm is your buyer. You went to order food from there. So the food request was broadcasted by Paytm to all the food joints in, let's say, in my town, let's say Delhi, around me. I mean, I said Delhi. There was, let's say, a selling application, Magic Pen. They are the one who onboarded all the sellers. So they got the order. And order confirmation came back to Paytm. Paytm's loyalty is not to any seller. They have loyalty to me. They need to know what is the status of my order. Otherwise, I'll keep calling them because I don't care which seller came. As far as I'm concerned, I dealt with Paytm. So just like the way my interest was broadcast, each status is going to be given back to exchange between them and made visible to me. And similarly, like for example, logistics. The seller may have their own logistics arrangement or logistics nothing but a service available on the network. The same set of people who deliver for any of the existing line, whether it is uh, Shadowworks, whether it is uh, Loadshare, whether it is Delivery, whether it is eCard, all of them are there. And they are also linked digitally. Even in the current platform, they are digitally using proprietary protocol. Here, using an open protocol. 
And so all this information seamlessly come here. Because at the end of it, as a buyer, I want to know what's happening. So that's why I would recommend that you take up a pin code or a phone and make an order and see the transaction. And if the same fashion, even if I have a concern, like I didn't get what I ordered. For example, food, there's nothing all returned. So I just give me my money back. So it goes back. And the buying application as a representative of the buyer will follow up with the selling application digitally to make sure that his buyer is happy. Otherwise, it will mess up. Similarly, the selling application will, you know, because they're all small aggregators, they know that if their name gets messed up, their reputation in the, in the network gets messed up. You know, Bhutraj, you probably know, I mean, since you are in the industry, you would know that you ask any banger, where is a mess up happening in terms of NPA? Is it big guys or the small guys? It's a big guys. Why small guys for them? If it happens, they're dead. So each of the small aggregators are conscious about it because everything is trackable. Who is a merchant? What is his GHA number? What is the offer he made? What did the consumer ask? Everything is digitally traceable. So even if there's a dispute, I mean, they'll try to resolve it. As of now, we have no dispute yet, but we know there could be one dispute sometime. So that's why we've enabled online dispute resolution framework. If at all it becomes a dispute, those ODR agencies, which is already impaneled in many of the industries and doing large number of volume, they'll be able to suck in every information to audit trail from each of the entities and then take a fact-based judgment. Of course, if they still don't like it, they throw the court. But when it is so evidence-based, things like become different in a dispute. Oh, of course, there were investor grievances has happened, which got resolved. But nothing which to say that, you know, seller said, I don't care. And buyer said, that's not what I meant. That's what you call a dispute. But that hasn't happened. So now tell me about the learnings that you've had from mobility, as well as whichever segment you've seen relatively, let's say, more participation. It could be food or groceries or commerce. When I say commerce, I mean fashion and so on. Anything that you've seen that's different or suggestive of trends in the way consumers are using this app or using ONDC, either more deeply reflective or at the top? To be very honest, it's too early, but I'll tell you something, you know, what is the general thing that you say? One is that since our minds have been so framed or so conditioned with platform like we're thinking, it takes some time for the buyer and the seller to figure out. And very often whenever people think they know ONDC, I mean, you know that we are a few months old in terms of public exposure. They still think, is this a super app? Is it a super platform? Is it a platform? Where is the ONDC platform? They said, go, there are all of them are ONDC platform. Oh, you know, that's a realization. And then, again, two kinds of people. Some people are already used to buying, like you and me. You know, we are a people of creatures of habit. So we are still used to going, like if you want to hail a cab, you will go to the regular one that you see. So you're talking about change in demand. No? So we need to bring those triggers. But the interesting that is there coming, uh, some other very strong strength that is coming, Two, three of them. One is the brand owners are realizing suddenly the freedom. If you look at today, if you are any brand owner, if you're selling digitally, the platform decides everything. Here suddenly he said he can decide, he can publicize, he can say that, he can publicize and go to any other buying platform and buy. Because you don't have to pay anything to the buying platform just because he's told that go to Paytm and buy. Paytm will be happily saying. Because they're all equal. No buying application have exclusive right to any seller. And that is actually giving a lot of ideas to the sellers that they can start promoting their products digitally the way they want, including the incentive, including the advertisement, including the deep links and so on and so forth. That's an important point. You're saying otherwise they would not have had control. They would not have any control. The control is now back in the hands of the brand. If I just give you an example just to help you think through. Let's imagine now. All the names I use are only for reference purpose. I have neither love or any dislike to anybody. Let's take, for example, let's say Dow Soap of HUL. 
And I make a very theoretical concern, nothing has happened. They can now do a, let's say, full page advertising nationally, Dow Soap is the best to undertake a bath. They used to do that so that you'll go to the shop and buy. But to trigger in some platform, they would have to have a deal with the platform. Here now they don't need, they can actually create a QR code at the bottom and tell any buyer, you can use any of the ONDC bike platform. Say this is not real yet, it's happened probably in Use it to scan. When they scan, they could be Paytm, they could be Ford Pay, there could be Ola, whatever it is. They will all enable this. The nearest Kirana shop will pop up and his total will deliver. Unilever did not go and do a deal with all of them. Similarly, I just gave it a big name. This kind of power is giving a lot of confidence to even small entrepreneurs. And since they will take time, the entities who are supporting, for example, SFAC, which is you know Small Farmers Association, they have all the FPOs under. They realize they have a lot of unique product which still now could not be sold. And if they wanted to go to any of this big platform, it was too irrelevant for them. So we are very interesting. We have almost a few hundred, I mean, almost thousand plus FPOs giving very specialized product. Even I didn't know they existed. And they just make them aware, registered with one of the startup selling applications like my store. And they start sending social media blasts. In fact, when suddenly I got eight billion biscuits, interesting because I stopped eating <laughs> blue turd. I mean, I just saw it in Twitter coming from SFC. Just press a button, it went straight to the shop through Paytm. All of them are there. And I just made the order. So these kind of even outreach and other entities helping them with the outreach. Other entities helping them to make their catalog visible in this network. So we are seeing these kind of uh, community engagement of diverse kind of people from the ministries, from the philanthropic organization, from the brand owners, all of them. So you're seeing a sort of reorientation of the commerce as we know, the e-commerce as we know. So as you look ahead, Koshi, so your strength, of course, is scale. So how are you looking at bringing in scale? I know this is a more organic build. It's not something that you can throw too many you know, merchants or buyers at one shot. And perhaps that's not the right way to do it either. So how are you seeing it grow? And what, what are your own or the ONDC's challenges uh, and tasks? We are trying to get a variety of network participants to support the relevant buyers and relevant sellers. We have already about 60-odd entity seller side and buyer side few, 10, 15 of them. And B2B just started. One thing is to broaden this participation. Good thing is, we have a few hundred or some of them various stages of integration. And with some of them, make some very aggressive national plans of millions of merchants to be onboarded and so on and so forth. Similarly, the merchant side. So we work with NPs to get the merchants on. Like I said, we have more than 100 and almost 130,000 taxi and auto drivers, which we expect to happen. Maybe double it in a few months' time. We have in terms of merchants about 70,000, 68, 70,000 merchants in the non-site, which also we would probably, we will see doubling in a few months' time. So that's what we are hoping that, you know, what we are trying to do is, it, for the till next one year, we'll see an accelerated growth, not that exponential growth, and probably in a year's time, you'll see the exponential growth happening. So the kind of thing that we are trying to push forward is by end of this year, we want to do more than 200,000 transactions a day, and maybe next year this time to add one more zero. I mean, that's what we are trying to see. The way we look at it is we should not restrict our thinking because it's a new experiment. Like I said, I'm not a listed company. I'm not trying to you know, kick up the prices of my shareholders. I am trying to build a utility. So I should give the confidence to all those participants that we are attempting for the moon and that we will do everything that is possible and that needs to be done to make it happen to this community as a whole. We are not trying to push any self-interest and make stories to push up the share price. 
we are trying to build ambitious target for each of our ecosystem partners to achieve for something really dramatic. And I believe one good thing is that we have some very good examples that we saw, whether it is in Nagar or whether it is in UPI, etc. It gives a lot of confidence that these guys are not just talking in the air. These guys come standing on the shoulders of some equally successful attempts in our country. So last question, Koshi. Uh, everything has to be funded somewhere. In the case of UPI, let's say the banks are not charging for it and therefore are subsidizing transactions. It could be argued that in most public utilities, it's really the public itself that's paying for it via taxpayer money. The ONDC is a similar experiment, but is that how it's likely to remain or could something change? The ONDC will eventually have some small charge. The thing is, there is no central platform. There's no cost is very, very, very small. And the transaction is so high. As of now, probably for another few months, we will not charge anything. And after that, we'll have some very, very small charges. Then each of the buying platform and selling platform may have their own strategy. In fact, based on which segment, for example, somebody who's dealing with a small merchant may say that I'll do a subscription model, which few thousand rupees a month for making the software available. See, they don't have to go and buy customers. They have to only make the category visible. You saw what Namayatri did. They were initially completely free and then now they said that they will charge some 25 rupees per day, irrespective of the number. They are only charging for a fair charge for the services they render. So if you look at the cross-platform, thing is, two things come. One is, since they are trying to hold everything, you know, try to do everything yourself. That's not the most efficient measure. So for some components, they have efficiencies of scale come. Some components, this is actually make it inefficient because you're trying to do certain things only at the most expensive way. So there's a cost challenge there. And secondly, it also gives them a rent-seeking capability because you're finally at the end of it, you are trying to maximize the shareholders' wealth. Whereas here, when there is significant competition, the rent-seeking capability come down. Specialization and innovation, which is made possible by competition, will try to bring the cost to what is needed to be done. So the charges is going to be on the top of it, a fair return. If somebody tried to take Superman and drop it, somebody will come and jump out. That's the beauty of perfect competition. That's what we are going to see. So that's how the transformation happens. So we will definitely feel the specialization on innovation will coming together will definitely reduce the, the pricing. Even if you look at some of the new technologies that are shipping up, for example, buying by application, actually their interest is only to be good to the buyers and help the buyers, be truly the buyer's agents and not the seller's agent. Even something like AI, I mean, they can use all these tools to improve the customer experience. And you would see that people like Google come in and announce that they're going to make an open source components toolkits available because you're talking about a standard protocol. Otherwise, it's all you're creating only proprietary thing. So it cannot be used by many. So now you saw many entities come and say, I don't know how many of them announced that word itself, ONDC in a box. Essentially, it's like the WordPress of information sharing. So these kind of things will make the total cost of the platforms, not behind this, in the, in the network, as well as operational cost of, for example, you would see innovation happening in logistics. Today, some of few enterprises, they have tie up with some big guy. Now, even the small micro hyperlocal logistics network can become a part of a consortium and uh, make offers. To, so that's why you're trying to drive humongous amount of innovation and specialization leading to trimming of the cost to its bare minimum of what is needed to be done for the particular segment of the sellers and that particular segment of the buyer. It comes together quite well. Uh, Koshi, we've run out of time. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this was the core report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. 
You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in. That is www.thecore.in. Or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you, including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at the core.in. Thank you for listening.